I got real open to the idea of going, no matter what anybody says to me, even if I think they're a twat, I'm going to go ahead and take it in and I'm going to digest it for 24 hours and I'm going to look at where they're right. Because if they're even right like one-tenth of a percent and I can polish my character and myself to become a better human in that way, it behooves me to listen to even those that I do not like. In that self-reflection, one of the things I have to do is I have to write things out and I have to really look at myself objectively and go, well, who are you really? And not who you think you are. If you're already dead, then good. Like, now get busy. You can do whatever you want. If you only got maybe minutes, what's your life going to be like, Tate? And I started asking myself questions in a different kind of perspective. There's a balance that we all want there, but we all want to feel like what crazy feels like a little bit. So we fucking hit the accelerator. But in real life, when I show up to a task, I'm a motherfucker. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on building optimal mental and physical performance into your life, visit naturalstacks.com. Ryan Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy's an innovator. All right, happy Thursday, all you Optimal Performers. Welcome to episode number 100 of the OPP. Seems like just couple months ago, we started this thing. It's amazing to me to think that we've already done 99 episodes. We have had some amazing guests. We've had amazing conversations. I've learned so much. I hope you guys have learned a ton. I thank you guys for being a part of this journey and, and for you know tuning in week after week, episode after episode. This has been such a cool journey so far, and it's only going to get better. I have some really cool stuff to share with you right now. Our guest is Tate Fletcher. This week, uh, we're going to have a really fun discussion with Tate, but we're actually going to split this episode into two parts. Part one, you're listening to now. Part two will come later this week. It'll be episode 101. We are going to start putting out two, not one, but two optimal performance podcasts every single week. We'll put one out on Mondays and one out on Thursdays. So get ready for double the optimization, double the content, double the amazing guests. We're going to really ratchet this thing up and provide you with the tools and the information that you need to make the most informed decisions and choices for your life, for your goals, for optimal performance and, and kicking more ass. So with that said, again, Thank you so much for being a part of this thing. We had a great chat with Tate in person. It went a little bit long. It was well over an hour. So what we're going to do is split that, like I just said, into two episodes. So our first week of two episodes per week will actually be part one, part two with Tate. Both of these are equally amazing. I can't wait for you guys to hear these. Tate's just such a beautiful person, and uh, he's going to share some really amazing things with you. So enjoy these. 
go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the blog post for this uh, along with the in-person video, some of the links and resources that we talk about. Make sure you share the OPP. As you listen to this or, or if you go back and listen to previous episodes, check out some of the amazing guests, some of the awesome content that we've had. You know, Share this thing with the people in your life who you know will benefit from the stuff that we're talking about here. Grab their cell phone and subscribe them to the OPP. Or as you listen, Apple now has a way for you to share certain episodes. You can just click the little button that says, you know, get the, the share URL. You can share it on social media. You can text it to people, whatever. So share the OPP. That's how we help and, and reach more people. And finally, go to iTunes. If you leave us a five-star review, we'll read it on the air and we'll hook you up with free product. I'm going to stop talking. Here's Tate. Welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast, guys. As you can see, if you're watching on video, joined by Mr. Tate Fletcher. Tate, thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. So we talked to Tate. We ran into him at Deuce Gym while we're out here in LA and talked to him a little bit the other day about doing a special episode with us. And the intro to this is we live in a world where everybody wants, you know, especially on social media, everything, it's a highlight real world. Everybody puts the greatest thing that happened to them today or the best meal they ate. And I don't want to get on social media and hear people complaining about having a bad day. But the truth is, we're, we're all flawed humans. None of us are perfect. We all have weaknesses and things we need to work on. And aside from that, we all have highs and lows, ups and downs. We have bad days. I want to talk about the, maybe not depression as, as a disorder, but just dealing with highs and lows, balance, some of the the aspects of mental performance that maybe get overlooked a lot in the world of, you know, brain optimization and nootropics and, you know, health and happiness. It's a lot. That's a, it's a big, it's, that's a broad spectrum that we're looking at. I mean, and it's huge and it's underlies everything, I think. And I think there's also so many assumptions in that, in the people should be responsive to different stimulus in the same way, you know, and, and, or that we were at the same set points. Like I know guys like, like Logan at Deuce and like, he doesn't love getting out of bed at five in the morning every day, but like, he's a guy, if he has something exciting to do, he's excited. That seems like normal. And I talked to him one of the first times we had a really long talk and he was just like, cause I, I mean, and to preface who Logan is like to me is uh, one of the brightest, most articulate guys that I know that's super thoughtful, has a lot of depth to him, a lot of experience, especially for what his age is. He's super young and super wise. Uh, and it's a, he's an uncommon dude in a lot of ways. Like we were talking about like being embarrassed to write a book because I know a guy like Logan's writing a book. And I'm like, what am I going to have to offer? Right. <laughs> right. And, and I remember telling him a story that was shocking to him because he was talking about, well, I was like, well, how'd you know that you wanted to be a baseball player? Because he played pro ball for a while and all that. And, and everything he does is kind of, you know, uh, he looks towards the excellence of things. And he said, I just always knew I was going to be the best baseball player in the world. And as a little kid, I'd tell myself that. And I was just happy to go out and pursue that all the time. I thought, fuck, that's like magic. He goes, it wasn't like that for you. And I go, no, I figure if there's going to be a race, I'm probably going to be last. And I'll try to avoid it. I'll call in sick if I can. Like, I was just like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not showing up for myself in my life at all. And, and it wasn't until, I don't know, I was like 17 years sober or something like that. And I'm sitting in a, in a room and I'm looking around and I'm going, I'm just as good as anybody else in the room. And 
that was a new thought. I'd never had that thought ever before. And Logan was surprised like by that. And I said, I have to look at things and I have to go. I was having a talk with a friend of mine and as he, who was saying that, you know, a lot of trite psychological pop psychology kind of sayings he's not into. And one of these things was feelings aren't facts. And he said, my feelings inform me of the world around me, my life, what all that is. And they're valid. And I go, absolutely. But I don't think that that's what that saying means really. And anyway, then we're called away and we're, we're in this space and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm looking at all these people in this meeting and I'm like, just as capable as anybody here. And I started thinking about my life because I think I'm the guy that's not going to show up for the race and all that. And I started thinking about one of the good things about reflection and about the work that I, I've had to do in my life is that I need to be self-reflective and I need to be objective about myself. So I have to quit the defensiveness, this, this human need to when you're like, dude, your breast smells money. Well, fuck you, dude, your armpit. You know what I mean? It's like instant. And so the first thing that I started doing as an exercise when I was like 20, I guess, was if anybody that I loved at that time, it was anybody because there's nobody that really that loved me, but like there, there's people that loved an idea of me, but like they didn't want me around. And, uh, and so I would take it from anybody. I was in a, I was in a, a halfway house out of this hospital. And I, so I'm living in this place with like 20 guys. I'm the youngest dude there. And, and I would just take whatever they would give me as far as like, this is direction that is, uh, you know, you left your, a pack of gum on the couch and you need to own, like, you can't just walk away from that and leave the world in the disarray. And it was like a little thing, but it was like, really, it trained your mind in a different way. And so I got real open to the idea of going, no matter what anybody says to me, even if I think they're a twat, I'm going to go ahead and take it in and I'm going to digest it for 24 hours and I'm going to look at where they're right. Because if they're even right like one-tenth of a percent and I can polish my character and myself to become a better human in that way, it behooves me to listen to even those that I do not like. And so I got, I got into that kind of reflection. So I'm sitting in this room and I'm thinking, you're just as capable as anybody here. And I start looking at like, okay, so in that self-reflection, one of the things I have to do is I have to write things out and I have to really look at myself objectively and go... Well, who are you really and not who you think you are? Because I'm a piece of shit that isn't going to succeed and, and I'm not going to do much and I'm not going to show up at the race. And that's, that's been that mantra, right? And, and I start looking at then my life after that thought came that I'm just as capable as anybody in the room. And I start going, well, man, I found out I was tough when I was young. And uh, I knew I was tough. And then I go, well, and there's other people that aren't tough. I had no idea because I thought I'm the weakest one here for sure. And then that goes through and then I'm like, well, and I'm not the last when there's a race, you know, when, when these things come up. And then I was like, the real truth is, is that I'm kind of a forerunner and that people were looking to me since I was a kid, like whether it's peer groups or what, whatever it was. And then in sport in jujitsu quickly, one of the best guys in the room quick, like, like I'm looked to again. And then in my jobs that came up, like, and I, and I look at this stuff and I'm like a leader and a forerunner when I look objectively at my life in a lot of ways. Now, I'm always feeling like a student. I'm always learning and all that. And maybe that's what keeps me in a way where I think I'm not going to achieve or amount to much. In that little bit, it encapsulates that idea of feelings aren't facts. I think I'm garbage and I'm walking around looking at my shoes. But in real life, when I show up to a task, I'm a motherfucker. And I was like, God, I never knew that about me at all. And, and Logan known that since he's a little boy, right? you know? And he's like, I, that doesn't even sound like you. Like, I don't even get, I said, it's still there, man. That's that little latent six-year-old 
fucking is sometimes calling the shots of this body. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I think we all have that. And so like, I've just been like needing to recognize different parts of myself for a long time for my survival in that way. And that depression has always been there. And so when, when I say Logan, sometimes a roundabout way to back to this gets up and is, uh, or, or anybody that does, I mean, there's people in your life that do, or maybe you get up and they're like, fuck, I'm stoked for the day, man. I get to go see an old friend I hadn't seen in 20 years. And then we're going to go to Disneyland and then I'm going to go like, or whatever. And I'm like, I could have the most exciting, oh, dude, we're going to go and we're going to rappel down into a live volcano. I'd be like, fuck, I can't believe I have to get up. I don't have the excitement. Like, I have to go and make myself do the thing, no matter how cool the thing is. And I think that's different than some people. And I go, well, you're built different. And then I, I go, whatever, it's what you got. And now you have to do certain things in order just to show up, you know? So to build on that, you know, the, the whole feelings. Oh, winded, sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> You're the guest, man. You're the star. We want to hear you talk. So, um, but feelings aren't facts. So that's a narrative that I heard from some studies recently, and and I've been digging more into it. And you know, some studies are showing as many as 90, 80 or 90 percent of our decisions are made based on our feelings in that moment. So, you know, you just said, you know, a lot of days, even if you have like the most exciting day plan, sometimes you wake up and you don't feel like getting out of bed. What are some strategies that you use that people could maybe implement if they're finding themselves in that same situation to not let your feelings dictate? Two things have saved me, or three. I, habitualizing my life in some degrees is a, a saving grace. The first thing that, that started to work for me was contrary action. You feel this way, you're going to do this thing. That came up everywhere, and I would start running stuff by people because I go, man, it occurs to me that I don't have the best advice for myself sometimes, you know, and I'll go, no, that seems like a good idea, and if you were to ask me, I'd be like, dude, that's a horrible idea. Don't do that, but for me, I think it'd be okay, which is a weird disconnect that I have about myself, so I do contrary action, and I started doing that, and then I would get paid off in the end for that, and what I mean by that is that there's nothing that's been very valuable, nurturing, like really nurturing, whether to my soul, physically, whatever it is, that really feeds me in any kind of way that hasn't had some modicum of difficulty or it was tough to do, it was inconvenient, etc. The best stuff doesn't taste like a Jolly Rancher, you know? Maybe it tastes like a ribeye, but like it's like work to get through whatever it is. And and it's like when I when I do the thing that is uh more nourishing it's it's usually the thing that that my basis self wanted to picked first i guess you know and i think that that's that's been a big part of it so like the discipline in in that is is a huge marker for me and also knowing that like there's a storm coming and if i don't take care of my emotional physical spiritual and intellectual selves that i'll be upset easily when that storm comes and and with if my goal as a human is to create an inner peace regardless of what external forces are bringing me and and that is a personal mark of mine then i need to get in control of that and you bring up a really interesting thing about most people make decisions emotionally which is our president right now i, I mean not and not not like not, not that there's great choices but like that's how things are positioned to us they're sold us that on, they sell us on dopamine every salesman out there whatever you're doing man you're selling dopamine in some way, I want to give somebody a hit. That Taco Bell commercial that smells and you can feel the crunch of the thing. Like, all that shit. Like, it's all, like... And so I got to watch what images come in my head, too. Because then I'm making a decision based on... And there's never a good return. I mean, I feel like killing myself all the time. If I followed my feelings everywhere... I mean, that's like... that's like uh, It looks like classic alcoholism. 
if somebody that just directs their life based on emotion. And it's really an unthinking person. You're just not being thoughtful. And, and most people don't even understand that there's a difference between your emotional self and your intellectual self. They don't, they don't even know that disconnect. I mean, I've had very, like, it's mostly like ex-girlfriends or whatever, but like when you talk to somebody and I'm like, hey, I need a minute. Like, can we just not talk? Let's not say any more words and, and let's go and, and let's talk. Like, for sure, let's talk about it tomorrow. But for sure right now, this is going to be horrible and I can't do this anymore. And I, I'd start to recognize those points and demand that I would get my time because otherwise that emotional aspect is going to take over and it's going to, it's going to run me over. It's going to run them over. It's, it's, there's, there's not any love in that, you know? You know, I think that the discipline and rehabitualizing yourself, doing contrary action, and then really looking towards the love in things. Is this going to bring, is this a solution-oriented thing or is this a, uh, some kind of do I need a do I need to stay in the problem for some reason? Am I getting something out of the chaos? And that weaves back too. It's it's this is weird. I've never done a podcast like this, but it weaves back to being like a kid and you're in chaos as a child. And if you are one of those, like a lot of times, what you notice and you can, I can see it in everybody. Once you get hip to it and you're like, oh fuck, they grew up in a dark way probably, or they grew up and, and things were crazy all the time, and so. A lot of people create little uh, micro swells of, of uh, like weather systems that's, that's chaotic. Right. And for me, that externally got expressed, thank God, because uh, first of Arlen Sanford and stick fighting and then uh, jiu-jitsu and then the opportunity to compete like that, that kind of training for like 15 years of my life or whatever, I mean, fuck, that altered me in a huge way. And so I would say that's another thing is, is getting turned on by something. Like I remember I want... Wasn't the time I want to kill myself most, but I, I remember just looking for something and and going, I don't like anything. And I'm I'm a couple years sober. I was off a bank robbery charge. I ended up exonerated. I'm. Uh, it's a, that's a whole other story. But like that whole thing, when you come out of something like that and you look at life, and you're like, here I am looking at life in a whole different way, and 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 you go, well, fuck, this is what life is. I can pour coffee. I was working at a shitty little coffee house, and then and then I was like a, a night tech at a at a group home for kids, for like last ditch kids before they go to a juvenile prison, and it's horrible. Like that, like and but I related to those kids, and and it was like perfect in that way. But I go, if this is it, I might as well cap myself now because this is bullshit. And this old cat, he goes, "Hey, what do you like doing, bro?" And I, go, and I was like, "He's like, well, what are your interests?" And I'm like, well, I like to get fucked up and I like to rob you is all that what popped into my head. And it's like, I like fast. I like fucking frenetic. And I, I was like, and I started going, God, that's weird that that's the only stuff you like. And he goes, it sounds like you haven't tried anything. And I go, yeah, I guess maybe so. And I didn't even know how to get out. I didn't know how to get to know you even if we, like if we didn't share a bottle of vodka together or go do a, a breaking an entry or something like like those were my bonding things and I like I didn't know how to relate otherwise and so it's like a huge weird time of reconstruction of like who I who are you now and uh, I just started trying stuff at this guy's query and I was like I don't really like anything maybe it's time he says you're ready to cash your own check man you're free and that really set me free I guess too Ryan thinking about that guy is that like it was a thing if you're already dead then good like, now get busy. You can do whatever you want. If you only got maybe minutes, what's your life going to be like, Tate? And I started asking myself questions in a different kind of perspective. And, and that was wicked helpful because uh, 
that then led to the next thought of, of these things about like what you are doing, you should do with such potency and urgency that, that, that death is at your heels and you need to go now. And you might as well go into it so that you've really lived in that moment to really die completely. Well, I'm chuckling because even before you said that, like when you said this whole thing started, you were pouring coffee. Right. And right before we recorded this, you poured us like the most beautiful <laughs> caveman coffees. And, and I mean, you guys are, you're crushing things with caveman coffee and it's, it's a brand and a movement and a community that you guys are leading. And, you know, I think that just epitomizes going into something with complete presence, complete commitment, putting everything you have into something yeah. and, and look at like, you, you took pouring coffee at some, you know, right. as, as a, as a degrading sort of thing, not not that it was, but right. like you're saying, that was kind of like flipping burgers at a fast food sure, joint. Sure, sure. And now, now you're doing it at, at an extremely high level, and it's providing value for other people. You know, this dude, this dude told me while I was doing that too. He goes, uh, "I go, you're just." Uh, he goes, well, "Why are you so dissatisfied?" Like, I go, "I'm fucking here. I'm washing coffee mugs." Like, he goes, "Who are you washing mugs for?" I go, I, "My boss, I guess." I, go, I don't know. I didn't even think about it. He goes, "You're washing mugs for God, Tate." Just think about it like that. And fucking whatever you're doing in the world, you're here to be a service. And that was the other thing when he said what's different. It's like uh, living a life of service, going, like before I came here, meditating, going, what is it that Ryan needs the most? What is it that his listeners need the most? Like just trying to be present and conscious of that. And I had a conversation earlier this morning with my mom, and, and we were talking about the moments, you know, and everybody talks about being present because that's important. You got to be present. You got to be here. And we think of that in a way, and it occurred to me that we think of being present and potent in like conversations like this, or I'm going to go to dinner and I want to be thoughtful, or even maybe if you pour a cup of coffee, whatever it is, as if we're gearing up towards an event for which to be present for. And I was like, what about those in-between moments? Because I, I was cleaning up my house then, and I'm like, what about being present, so present that every time I, my lips touched a glass, when I was through, I took it to the sink. There was never any dishes. There was never any sock on the floor. That like I was present to everything so that I didn't have wasted movements. Because I'll right now walk by socks 180 times. But it's like like dialing your head into a place of where you're, you've made your time a premium, you know? And where you've been a good steward of that thing. And, and I guess that's the thing is like with the gifts that I've gotten in this life, I want to be a good steward of those things. And so also there's a, it's not just an emotional piece. There's a real like intellectual responsibility piece that I owe people. And it's, it is, you know, and this, and this, as far as like a reflection of like pouring coffee in the old days to pouring coffee now, K-Ban coffee is like, it's an accident. Like people ask me all the time. They're like, how do you get in these businesses or how do you do? And I'm like, I didn't mean to, like, I didn't want to like, there's some shit that wasn't there. And I was like, wow, this is cool. Like, let's talk about this. And then I start talking about it and then it becomes a thing. And it's kind of like the idea of, you know, I told one of my guys who was um, kind of lost in his own way. And I was like, I was like, bro, you want all the good things in life, but, and that's great. And I'm a real advocate of only do what is fun for you, but I made suffering fun for me too. Like I've spent fucking hundreds of thousands of hours. I don't know 
really suffering and I've gotten the best results out of potent suffering for little bits of time. And that fucking makes the whole life better. And if you can suffer a little bit every day, there's a huge benefit of that. We look at stress and we're like, how do I raise stress for my life? I would counter that stress is a fantastic thing for your life, for growth, whether it's muscularly, whether it's intellectually, it's like when I expand my mind to think of a new idea that's uncomfortable to me, my mind expands to a point where it will never go back to its former position. Right. And like, that's a huge fucking idea in that, you know? And, and, and so what I input, like who I read, like all those things help me too, because I have to retrain my brain because I didn't have any discipline to it for all these years. And so I think that's a part of like, what do I do to counter those things is I, I rediscipline myself in different ways. And that's what I input, you know? And I think what you spiritually input, what you intellectually, like all those things matter emotionally, like who I'm around. Fuck, you better believe it, man. If you see somebody with me, you can count that they're cool as rain because I don't hang around with anybody that's fucking, you know, I just won't. I can't do it. I can't have small talk. I'm probably not going to go to anybody's party and I fucking can't hang out with fucking anybody that is like acts funny or isn't interested in higher things. I just, I don't have time for it because I want that time to be potent too. And I want it to be filled with love. And I think there's a universal love in that creative mindset of asking and asking the questions and and I like that I like being together with people like that because otherwise man it's so easy to feel alone and that goes back into the depression that like unless you're six four fucking shaved head fucking green eyes named Tate you don't know me you know what right, I mean instead right. of going we're universally all the same you know I mean and, and that and that then brings you know that's a whole nother thing you know I, I that, that instantly I start thinking of Syria or I think of Afghan I think of stuff like that and I go we're all the same and we're doing these horrific things you know we're we're in the, we're in a weird time you know to be alive and I think it really goes back to some Tupac shit you know he loves his mama but he'll also fuck your bitch you know what I mean and life's a little bit like that and I think people get so stuck in the way where they go I'm this way I, that it's like well go ahead and throw a tantrum now and then you know, maybe you're not always meditating or whatever. Like, we're a lot of different things inside. I'd much rather be your brother and, and, and live close and, and connect with people on those levels. But there's people you're not going to. And at the same time, if you're trying to hurt my people, I'll put bullets through you. Like, it's like I'm a little of this and that. You know what I mean? And so it's like if you're looking for any kind of... Um, I think that's the cool thing about the world now. We're not looking for role models that are beyond reproach because nobody is. And we're seeing the humanness and the acceptance of all these people. And that's, that's a real benefit because otherwise I think I've fallen in the trap before of holding myself to a standard that is maybe unreachable or that is so demeaning to myself that I can never do that and I just sit there in a sense of shame about it, you know? You said a, a couple of times, you know, thoughts of, of ending it or, or, you know, putting a bullet in yourself. Like that, I mean, as, as somebody who sees the love that you bring into the world and, and to other people, like, it hurts me to hear that. Yeah. I know that it's it's a real thing because, I mean, you said you've never done a podcast like this before, and, and I haven't either. And I feel like you're the perfect person to have on for two reasons. One, because I've heard you kind of go down some of these pathways before, whether it's on an Instagram story or, or on your own solo podcast. Right. But, you know, also because... I mean, like you said, you're six foot four, you're bald, you have a giant beard. Right. And for me to sit next to you and have this conversation makes me feel... You know, we were talking about this before we went on the air about like anonymity and owning your words and the internet. And, you know, it's, this would be a, a it's something that I deal with, but maybe not ready to talk about it publicly. So mm -hmm. I think being able to sit next to you and, you know, have that conversation, because I know if, if I deal with it and you deal with it, 
I'm a huge Springsteen fan. I just read his book, Born to Run, an autobiography. And he's been on antidepressants for on and off for years. Right. You know, you, you see these people outwardly and you think, well, God, what does Bruce Springsteen have to be upset about? You know, what, you know, I, I see, you know, what you do, uh, you know, with, with some of your ventures. And it's like, you know, God, I can't believe Tate's saying like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with feelings. And, right. you know, I know I do sometimes. And, and I think sometimes the more highs we have, the more like the average day can seem like a low. Mm-hmm. You get different set points, right? Yeah, it's interesting to hear like some of your thoughts on like how you deal with that. You know, even if it's just telling yourself like, okay, this is the suffering, this is the hard work, this is the the struggle phase where I lay that strength and that foundation to, you know, be able to perform on those high days and be able to show up and be, you know, you're developing these skill sets that that you lean on in those moments of you know what we would consider it a high. Sure, I mean, and that. And that's life is adjusting that. I mean, it's like even your body's dying for homeostasis in a way, right? And and so is your soul, I think. I think that like there's a balance that we all want there, but we all want to feel like what crazy feels like a little bit. So we fucking hit the accelerator a little bit sometimes, you know? And then after you drive 100 for five miles, shit, when you got to go back down to 55, you're like, it feels like I'm crawling, right? A couple things happen in that. The, you, you're getting less of an excitement burst, but also you're way more adept at handling 50 miles per hour. You know, you're, you're a way better driver now at that. You're way more present. There's nothing going to sneak up on you because you've been aware at hundred miles an hour. And so if you can do that, well, this became, I, I'm living life on, on the easy mode then, you know, I don't need to go to pro level on the video game. I'm because, because I've amped up my experience so much. And so that's a great aspect of it. The bad aspect is that part inside that wants to get off again on that. You know, it's like, we saw a guy this last summer, he jumped 25,000 feet from an airplane with no parachute and landed in a net in the desert. Like that's fucking, that's, that's a trip, right? Cause then I think the first thing I thought he landed and he landed and he lived, thank God is what's next? What do you got to do next? What, what's above that? Because that's heavy duty, you know? There's no saving you. You jump out, you're done. There's no saving you at all. And, and, uh, and there's a lot of stuff like that. That book, the, the Rise of Superman, is huge in that way because yep. of that. You know, you look at that, and there's guys, I don't know who he interviewed at the end, but he's like, you got to talk about the dark side of that. Yeah. Because what do I do now that my body's betrayed me and I can't get off that way? As soon as you said, you know, what's next, I thought about that because I think one of the guys, I love that book. We, we, we had Jamie Wheel on recently for their new book, Stealing Fire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Shane McConkie is one of the guys that was in Rise right. of Superman. Yep. And of course, he was one of the guys that was, you know, what's next. And it was, you know, skiing to, you know, parachuting or, or wingsuit flying. And, you know, he unfortunately didn't survive one of those. And I mean, that's, that's, that is the dark side of flow. Yeah. You're, you're always pursuing that. And, and the dark side is the, the getting off aspect, but is the thing, I mean, it's like my buddy does a lot of wingsuit and he'll, he's no, like all those guys that get in the squirrel suits, they know, they're like, this is how I'm going to die. Like it's not, and it's probably not going to be a long time. Like there's kind of like an acceptance of that. But with that acceptance, you think what takes it for a guy to do that is like, he's demanding that he really lives. And this is what really living to him looks like. You know, most people that will say that's foolish that da, 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 are saying stuff because they shrink from their responsibility to their own soul to soar in that way. But it doesn't mean that his soaring is the, like that. We all need to jump from a wingsuit. Right. It doesn't mean that, you know, your soaring doesn't literally have to be soaring. But if I hadn't done that in jujitsu tournaments, stick fights, cage fights, a, a lot of the way that I hold my life now 
it's it's not dissimilar really drinking or being sober like for me it's like and i just saw that i instantly went in though but here's all these roads that are ways that won't land me in prison and i'm behaving in the same kind of way as far as physiologically what happens to my body what i'm looking for for freedom what i'm looking for to be able to breathe easily just for that moment after you've done that thing and and after that yeah there's like a there's like a, a downward aspect to that but i think that being in that space is so enriching that it doesn't matter if you die. And it, it brings up other questions about like, why is death the worst thing? Like what's death about that everybody's scared of our whole, we have a whole culture based on how terrifying something that would perhaps make you free would be, or your soul going back into, into a, a, a God field of everything and knowing becoming omnipotent, omniscient, and just have a complete understanding of everything. I, I remember sitting at Mrs. Bauer's bedside. She was dying of cancer, 70 years old, and she's scared. And I'm like, what are we scared about? And it's because she's, she's a Catholic, and she's in church all the time, and it's fucking scary what happens. I go, where's Jesus? And she goes, I just don't know. You know, like, I, I, I've got my faith, but, like, I'm, I'm really scared that I'm not going to know you guys anymore. And I go, well, maybe what happens is you become everything. And you know us more in this next life after you step over that threshold than you could have ever known us in this life. And she's like, I like that. But it's like, nobody knows. So however we want to think about it is fine. But I'd way rather honor it as a next adventure and live this life fully. And I, and I guess that's been the thing in, in my life. Like, how, like, I feel like if that happened right now, I'm completely fine. Uh, there's, there's nobody I've hurt. There's nobody I haven't, that, that I haven't made right to the best of my ability. There's, there's nobody, like, there's a long time in my life where I felt like, and it was probably accurate, that if you'd have known me, it would have been better off if you had never known me. And, and, and now that's just not that way. And I, I feel like there's been a balance. There's a homeostasis now for who I am. And whatever happens is good. But I want to live that potently, and I want to live it fully. And I don't know what that looks like. And, and a lot of it looks like I throw my hat over the fence. Now I got to go get my hat. And now I got to be a good steward of that. And where does this go next? And it, and it, it goes like, how do I create a perpetual motion that keeps me engaged in, in, in a higher vibration of life in a way? And a lot of that has to do with appreciation. I go back into how do you, what's the discipline look like? Well, the discipline looks like maybe it's that you go to jujitsu every day. Maybe it's that you go work out for an hour a day. The other thing that happens is like that's rudimentary shit. That's like grotesque, large things that you can really get your hands on. The stuff that's like finesse shit is like Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about and, and becoming the watcher of your mind and, and getting a higher... That was the first time I'd ever had that conversation. It was probably 20 years ago, maybe 23 years ago, and reading his books and, and going, fuck, man, I never even knew that there was another voice inside my head. I'm like, what is the self? And, and starting to get down that road of questions. And so a lot of it was like... Just put up with it, man. Just put up with it long enough. Like, and, and when those dark times are there, I remember standing on a set with uh, Bill Paxton and, and there's a group of like extras that were around and we're all in this like gunfight kind of scenario. And it's just everybody's bullshitting. And somebody had just had one of the friends of the family just killed himself. And these are all young dudes. And I was like, you know, if you get to be like in your early 20s and you haven't killed yourself yet, you're fucking winning. You're doing great. Just... You know, like the, some of the best advice I ever got was don't make a permanent solution out of a temporary problem, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and little things like that stuck in my head. And I was like, if you can just wait it out, I'm not saying that life gets better, but your perspective can change on life if you do the work, 
you know, and you can get a different perspective where you can become a useful member. Cause the only time when I feel the most useless, when that stuff comes up is if I feel like I'm not being uh, a contributing factor to society, if I feel like I'm not, I don't have a purpose. Like I need a purpose. A, a dog needs a purpose. You right, know what I mean? Right. And all that purpose comes from the self. Like if, exactly. it's, whether it's, whether you read the alchemist and it's your, your true calling or your, your personal legacy or your authentic self or whatever it is, but separating the feelings, which is the ego from the self. And you know, that I would agree that when we're not, when we're not following that purpose or you know, talking to like Logan again, like going right versus going left. Most people are going to go left. This will be on a future podcast. If you guys are confused on go right or go left. The go right book is Logan's book. <laughs> and you guys are going to want to look at that. That's all. And basically going left is like taking the safe option or the safe right. choice for the securities of, you know, kind of the modern world, as opposed to, you know, maybe giving up a little bit of certainty now, but pursuing that true calling. Right. And ultimately, when, when you do that, you know, again, kind of correlating with the alchemist, when you do that, the whole world kind of conspires to, to help you with sure. that. And it really does. Yeah. But in those moments, you know, I, I guess really just, again, trying to dig in for some of those like finite, tangible things that listeners can wrap right. their hands around and, and implement like on a day where, you know, maybe their feelings are winning that or, or sure. overwhelming them. Sometimes you just wait it out. Sometimes you go home, jerk off, go for a run, change your physical uh, outlay in some way. You know what I mean? Take a nap. Like taking a nap is great. Like, cause that shit feels overwhelming and you're like, you go to sleep anyway. You know, that stuff about Logan's thing, that whole go right, go left. What messes me up about it is I go, yeah, I've gone right. Cause I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if I believe, but like the idea of parallel universes is very interesting to me. And that like, if I go left now, right doesn't exist except in this other universe. And then I go left again. Now the guy that goes right, there's another me that takes the equal opposite direction. And maybe they're, we're in this multi-dimensional multiverse that it all is correlate in a spider web that looks crazy, right? Of all the choices. Maybe we've made all the choices. And then if left doesn't exist anymore because I've gone right, like, and that could fall into indecision. And it really got me into going... Utilize, don't analyze. Don't get too much in your, like, that Logan can go through that thought process for this book, I'm, and he's that articulate and genius, is fucking amazing to me. I don't have a mind like that, you know? That's a special kind of outlook that can describe, he's, a, he is a, I sound like such a huge fan. He's amazing. <laughs> he's fucking amazing, you guys. Um, and, uh, and I don't, because life, comes at me differently and so like i had to have stick to too i had to have a relentless pursuit to finish the fucking job because when right comes up and then i'm like well wait now there's another choice of right or left. no no keep going right dude you're not done with right yet right. you know and and that that becomes like a major obstacle like what are my obstacles what are my jobs as a human now removing the obstacles that are in the way of my usefulness to others like that becomes the thing is like what what are those impediments or, or drawbacks either within myself or externally? How have I created my life that I made it harder? What the fuck? You know what I mean? It's like that that seems crazy. And when I started to dictate what I needed in my life, and I didn't know that until reflection, until writing, until doing the work, and I do it continually because 
it's fucking confusing out here and the world changes fast, you know? So two things on that. One, you know, you mentioned like music, go for a walk, run, right. nap, whatever. Like we know that you masturbate. There, I said masturbate. You did. I'm sorry. That's I forgot right. that one. Or maybe I just tried to skip it. The it's a uh, bad visual. <laughs> there's science that proves, you know, motion can change. Tears, bro. Yeah. Tears are nourishing to the brain. They're they're looking at the healing factors of a good yeah. cry, what that does. It changes your physiology. Yep. It's and, crazy. And all of these things can can change, you know, the physiology which dictates feelings, you know. So if if you're stuck in your feelings, just move or get up or say something. Man. It's like in jujitsu. I don't know, I'm in a bad spot except that you want me here. So I want to be here. If you, you know what I mean? If you want my arm straight, I want to bend it. Right. Like all I know is the other way. I don't know what's good for me, but I know what this probably isn't good. And for that's, me. that's, I, I recall that from Pressfield, Stephen Pressfield. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've read yep, him. The uh, art of war. Yeah. Or uh, a war, war of, of art. art. And it's, you know, the, the Sun Tzu's guy go, go in the direction of like your true North is the thing that feels most uncomfortable. Right. Like, that's where your, your true calling needs to go. All right, guys, we are stopping this episode right here. Make sure you come back for episode 101 to hear the rest of this talk with Tate. That'll be part two of this. More awesome stuff coming up in that one. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you go to naturalstacks.com. Check out the video version of this on the blog post along with links and resources to everything that we talked about here today. And please, if, if you found this episode helpful, share it with anybody in your life that you know would benefit from or, or just enjoy hearing this, the conversation that we've had. You know, the idea with this conversation is that it, it helps you in a way that you know, maybe some of our other episodes haven't helped you. So if this resonates with you or if you know somebody who would benefit from hearing this, please share it with them. Go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We love those. They help us out. Subscriptions help. So if you haven't subscribed, please do so. Share this with your friends, get them to subscribe, all that good stuff. Hope you have an amazing, beautiful day. Feel free to reach out. Email is ryan, R-Y-A-N, at naturalstacks.com. Thanks a lot for listening and look for part two, episode 101 on Thursday.